science and research shows that if we can work those creative endeavors or whatever it was we were designed to do or built to do into our life, we're going to be happier. We're going to be healthier emotionally and physically. Welcome to The Compassionate Creative, the podcast that shares the stories of creative leaders who work to pave a path forward in their industries and do so with compassion, authenticity, and integrity. I'm your host, Charlene Dinger, a fellow creative who is inspired by artists and innovators that push their work forward from a place of compassion. I hope you join me on this journey. Stay curious, listen with an open heart and mind, and hopefully we will all find some inspiration along the way. Hello again, my lovely listener. Welcome back to the podcast. So lovely to be back here with you. So sorry I wasn't able to um, create a free flow Friday for you last week. I was um, taking some time to take care of me, to take care of my health. And I'm happy to be back again with you this week with a wonderful guest episode. Today, I am speaking with Mary Potter Kenyon, author, certified grief counselor, and therapeutic art coach. This was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. We get into a lot and she has some beautiful insights and wonderful gems, not only for creatives, but for anybody that is looking to reignite their creativity. And so I asked her about why her mother was the inspiration behind her latest book, Called to be Creative, A Guide to Reigniting Your Creativity. So she speaks about that. Um, we also get into why she believes that the pandemic really allowed people to turn to more creative things that they loved doing as a child and why she believes it's so important to integrate creativity into our everyday lives. So uh, I'm going to dive right into this one right away. Here we go with Mary Potter Kenyon. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. So lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I'm going to dive right in. I always start with the same first question for all of my guests, and that is, how have you shown yourself compassion today? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Um I guess by allowing my husband <laughs> to wait on me for breakfast and give me breakfast. <laughs> yes, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. As he should. Yes. You know, you know, every <laughs> we, once in a while, it's nice. Yes, we kind of take turns, but I, I guess lately I've been trying to make him breakfast breakfast more often. So by allowing him to make breakfast. Yes. Yes. That's so beautiful. I love that. And, you know, I love that that sense of like, you know, I'm, I'm going to let him do this for me. Right. Because I do, I, I certainly feel like in, in our household anyways, that, you know, I'm kind of like the first one up. So I feel like I, it's cool. Like I can make the coffee, I can mm -hmm. make the breakfast today, but it's always, it's always nice to kind of also allow your partner to take care of you as well. Right. So mm -hmm. that's a lovely way to yeah. show yourself compassion and for your husband to show you compassion today too. That's wonderful. All right. So Mary, um, you have so much to share. I'm really, really excited to talk to you today because you um, you are an author. Your work has been widely published. Um, you know, you have been published in 
newspapers, magazines, your some of your essays have also been featured in Chicken Soup for the Soul, which I love. Um, and your latest book, which I think we're going to mostly be chatting about today, is called Called to be Creative, A Guide to Reigniting Your Creativity. I feel like Whoosh. So aligned with exactly what we talk about on this podcast. So I'm really excited to ask you um, about the book and maybe you can just share what the inspiration was behind writing it. Yes, thank you. Um, I believe the inspiration was my mother. I I grew up in a family with 10 children and watched a mother who basically lived in poverty transform our space into a space of beauty with what she made the wall hangings on the wall the the beautiful rag rugs the quilts um so she was she um really was the epitome of what we call a homemaker because she made this home beautiful with very little money and with her baking and her cooking with what little she had to work with so I had that example of, and I guess I kind of thought everybody had, every, everybody's mother was like that, not realizing what a special mother I had because of her artwork. And, and she was like 41 years old when she decided to sit down and make a wood carving. How many 41-year-olds out there think, oh, I think today I'll just make a wood carving, you know? <laughs> so, so she was an, also an example of someone who tried new things, someone who just a very creative person. And so when she died in 2010, she actually died on my birthday, my 51st birthday. I think she kind of left behind this legacy of faith, a legacy of creativity that I started to think about creativity in a different way after she died. And I found these manuscripts that she'd written under the bed. And um, so she didn't just carve wood and create wall hangings and um, she made a home business out of it, but she also was writing and she left behind her words. And as the writer in the family, I took those words home and I read them and I think I took them to heart and I started to speak on creativity and to research creativity. So that was back in 2000. 2011 after her after her death and I kept hearing these the same thing younger women with little kids would tell me they didn't have time to be creative older women on the other end of the spectrum would tell me it was too late for them and I was just like this can't be my mother was an example of creativity all these years and so was I I I wrote as I raised eight children I just had to hold on to this little bit of creativity as I was busy being a mom. So I think that's when the wheels started turning because I thought there's got to be a book in this when I was talking to these young women and these older women, because everybody has it in them to be creative. I knew that instinctively that we all have that. We all have some talents. And, and so that started the wheels turning and started the research. And it wasn't until 2017 when I was leaving a job that was killing me creatively that I sat down and started actually writing the book and I'd had all this done all this research and talked to all these women and just, you know, it, and then it just flowed. It just, it just flowed. Incredible. Oh, I just got goosebumps listening to that, to be honest, because so much of what I wanted to share through this podcast is exactly that, that we all have creativity within us. And um, I think it gets lost along the way. You know, we get bombarded with all of this messaging that we um, 
we have to do other things like we need to we need to keep doing other things in order to sustain ourselves. And, um, you know, that also art doesn't seem to be necessarily appreciated as a real job, you know, and I talk we talk about this a lot within the dance industry because it kind of just feels like, oh, you have a cute little hobby on the side there, you know, like dance and the arts is just something that is like something on the side that you sort of have as well as a real job kind of thing. So I really love that messaging in that. And um, it it actually kind of, you know, for for me hearing you speak about your mother, it reminds me of 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 my mom as well. When we were younger, she used to make everything like she was so crafty. And um, once my sister and I got really busy with dance and, you know, she had to work as well. I feel like that kind of got lost along the way. And now she has a granddaughter and she kind of got back into like making stuff for her, sewing these like mobiles for her when she was first born. And I really loved seeing that in my mom again, because it was just so nice to see her getting creative again and, and, um, having that spark reignited. So I really love that story about your mom. And I love that she was the inspiration behind this book. Um, and it kind of takes me into uh, a quote, actually, from the book. And I, th- I think it's actually part of the foreword. And it just got me right away. So I'd love to just read it and then ask you about it. So it says... In our overstressed and overworked lives today, we are facing a crisis of spiritual hunger, emotional disconnection, and an abandonment of our well-being. We have placed personal fulfillment and the nourishment of our sacred inner selves on the back burner. And as a result, we find ourselves facing burnout and internal emptiness. While creativity is an elixir for so many of our problems today, many think I don't have a creative bone in my body. Creativity is not for me. I got goosebumps again. Like I have goosebumps again. It's so beautiful. And I hope that that little excerpt, you know, it inspires people to to look into this book. I know I am definitely going to be diving in further. Um, so it's like you said, with all of the, the the women that you were speaking with of all ages, you know, this this sense of, oh, I'm not creative. There's, you know, I'm not a creative person. Um, why do you think creativity is so important for the nourishment of our inner selves? And I hate hearing that. I, I hate hearing that from anybody because, and we see children lose it too. I know teachers, teachers have told me um, around third or fourth grade, they start to see kids losing enjoyment of reading just for the enjoyment or enjoyment of art or whatever. So it's something, it's something in our society that has um, stopped appreciating creativity for its own sake. And if you're not making money off of it and how many of us do get to make money off of our, our creative endeavors, then it it loses it somewhere. There's no value to it, but the beginning of the pandemic, we saw something happening, and I think it's it's still we still see it happening. 
is all of a sudden people were isolated and maybe went home to work or I, I know there was still the essential workers who were working harder than ever, but so many of us were, and I was one of them sent home to work that all of a sudden people were baking or gardening, or we were turning to the things that naturally brought us comfort, or maybe we're from our childhood or from, uh, you know, the, the, and that's all creativity. And I don't, I don't think people labeled it as creativity, but, but it, it is creativity, all of those things. So if we can look back to our childhood and find whatever it is that made us, that we were naturally drawn to as children. And um, if we can go look back there and start to work some of those things into our life as an adult, we don't have to, we, we see creativity as something you do in your leisure time. And most of us don't have leisure time. And so we have to stop looking at it that way because science and research shows that if we can work those creative endeavors or whatever it was we were designed to do or built to do into our life, we're going to be happier. We're going to be healthier emotionally and physically healthier. And so that is one good thing that came out of the pandemic is that people started to see something about this is good for me, something about gardening and getting out in the dirt or something about the baking or something about, I knew people who were trying painting or drawing or poetry or things they had never done before, or even journaling, just different things we were instinctively drawn to during that stressful, turbulent time is something that we should be working into our everyday life. And that's kind of the basic, basic for my book or when I do public speaking is you can be creative in your job. You can be creative in your parenting. You can be, it doesn't mean you're going to make a painting that's going to hang on a museum wall, but it could mean that you're working it into your baking or you're, you're making cupcakes for your children's birthday party or whatever it is. It's, and it's, it's going to be good for you. It's going to be, you're going to be health, healthier and happier if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just taking the time as well to um, find find where that joy lies for you, right? And, you know, I do think that it, it takes time also to um, come back to that creativity to find some find something that does you know spark that for you spark that joy for you and I think part of that too is also taking the time to understand what it is that you are passionate about understand what it is that you love to do and that's why I like to also start the podcast with that same question, like, how have you shown yourself some compassion today? How have you shown yourself some love today? What is it that you need to nourish yourself? And so I think in reflecting on that, that can start to filter into, oh, you know what? This is what I needed to nourish my soul today. I want to get creative and 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 do this today. So I really love that. And um you know, you do you do a lot of work with kind of helping um, helping regain or sort of jumpstart this creative process. Um, do you have any specific uh, techniques or specific uh, tips or tricks that you could share that can help anyone out there that does is in that mindset of 
I don't have a creative bone in my body. How can we work to jumpstart this um, this so-called creative spark, as you call it in the book? And thank you for saying we come back to it because it's in all of us. And you see it in kids. I mean, they don't care if their hands are getting dirty when they're digging in the mud. They don't care if they're coloring outside of the lines until somebody makes them care, until somebody tells them they're coloring outside of the lines and stuff. So um, one of the things, one of the activities in the book and when I do workshops is to have people take time to make a list of those things that they naturally turn to as children. And for some of us looking back that far is kind of hard to do, but it's, it's surprising what some people will come up with because all of a sudden they'll remember that they used to make paper dolls or they, they loved making paper dolls out of cardboard or they loved making Barbie clothes. Uh, and, you know, with what rudimentary skills they had of just cutting the holes in for arms and stuff or digging in the dirt. If I can help guide them to look back to what was it you were drawn to? I spent a lot of time outside poking ant hills as a child and watching the ants. Well, that tells me that deep within me, I need nature and I, and that I'm not happy unless I'm at least seeing or getting a little bit of nature and taking a walk in the woods or whatever it is. If we, if we can look back to our childhood and just make a list of those things or ask yourself, you know, what is it I would do or if I had enough money and enough time, because those are the things that stop us from doing things. Sometimes I don't have the time or I don't have the money or and if you can make a list of those things and maybe choose one just to uh, choose one thing each month or to try and set aside the money to do that or set aside maybe it's I always wanted to play piano okay go ahead and watch a YouTube video to learn some of the skills or you know and just try it and we have to allow ourselves to fail we do not like to fail nobody likes to fail and so that's another thing that stops us as an as an adult is well what if my picture looks awful or what if my poetry is horrible or what so what you know, that's, that's okay, because we're just trying new things. We're trying. Um, so my book encourages people to try new things, allow yourself to fail, look back to your childhood for those things you were naturally drawn to, and maybe give yourself little bits and pieces of those things that you've always wanted to try a bucket list, if you want to call it a bucket list. And um, sometimes it's actual activities. And I do jumpstart workshops, where I have them doing different um different activities that make you use both sides of your brain because we're, we're used to the testing and using that part of our brain, but we need to try to use both parts of our brain. So whether it's a mind map or blackout poetry, just different fun activities, it, it makes, it forces us to use both sides of our brain. And once we start doing that, then we start thinking outside of the box. And some, that's one aspect of creativity that some of us aren't used to is thinking outside of the box in different ways. And you know, that, you know, brainstorming sessions at your workplace, you see that happening where these create, especially if you're given permission to think of the craziest ideas you can think of. And then your brain starts you know, just, but some wonderful ideas can come from those brainstorming sessions or from our jumpstart activities. Yes. Yes. I love that. There's a lot to dissect in there. The, the biggest thing for me that kind of pops up is, is this, um, you know, using those those uh, different tips and tricks to um, 
come back, like you said, to your inner child, you know, and I think it's a lot of we, we sort of hear this inner child. I've been hearing it a lot over the past few years. And I think um, this this idea of coming back to your inner child, like what is it that 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 little child inside of you would have done in this situation or um when I went to my sister lives in Switzerland and my niece is is there now and she's going to be turning two next month. And when I met her, she was um, she was about one and a half. And so she really opened up that connection for me to my inner child with exactly what you said. We would go out into the garden and she would get right into the dirt. And at first I was really hesitant, like, no, like we're, we're going to get dirty. Like I have to bring you back in and then we'll have to wash up. And then I stopped myself and I said like, but why am I, why am I getting so uptight about getting a little bit dirty? So we'll go inside and, and wash up, you know? And that really kind of started that uh, that I guess um, opening up to let's just play, let's just you know, and and she really really ignited that for me, and so that's that's kind of what took me right back to that is like just tapping into and trying to connect to that inner child, and like you said, without with just without caring about the judgment, you know, we walk around through life just always thinking about what people are going to say, always thinking about, you know, how we're going to be judged, how we're going to be analyzed. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Right. Um, we have enough of that so that where it comes to our creativity or where it comes to um, diving into what it is that makes us happy, what it is that is nourishing us, how we can connect to our inner child a little bit more, being able to, like you said, you know, step out of your comfort zone or step out of that, that box that you think you're supposed to kind of be fitting into. I think that that opens you up to a lot, a lot of beauty that can come out of that. What, whatever makes you come alive, that's what you need to do more of. Whatever makes you get lost, if you can get lost in the flow of it, that's a key to you that this might be it. This might be the thing that I am designed to do because I I lose track of time. I do that when I'm writing. I lose track of time and I can look at the clock and think, oops, I forgot to get dressed and I forgot to eat breakfast because I'm doing something that makes me come alive. And that's what we need more of. Beautiful. So beautifully said. I love that. Um, Mary, within, you know, all of the work that you do as well, you are also a therapeutic art coach. Um, and I wonder if this started before or after the the writing began. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, what, first of all, is therapeutic art coaching? And how does this help people through healing processes? Mm -hmm. So as I um, turned to journaling after my husband's death in 2012, it's like I can't grieve without studying it. I couldn't, I couldn't turn to something without studying it because by four months out, because I'd always written, but I'd never journaled. By four months out, I was starting to think, well, how do people do this? How do people grieve? or get through tough times without journaling. 
And um, I thought I instinctively turned to it because I was a writer. But then when I started started studying it and discovered that there's also science behind expressive writing as a healing tool. And then I started a grief retreat. I worked expressive writing into that grief retreat and wanting to help other people through grief. There was always this um, this part of me that wanted to do the hands-on stuff. I mean, I, I just wanted to do hands-on stuff because I thought you there's so many ways to work through grief or through traumatic um, things in your life. But some of us are drawn to the hands-on stuff. And I knew that from homeschooling my kids, that some kids really need the hands-on stuff and others need to see it, hear it, but they don't have to dig into it. Well, I always needed to dig into everything, study it, and then um, get that hands-on. I just really wanted to work my way through things with the active, actively. And so I started looking into therapeutic art coaching as part of the grief retreat that I was doing, because I thought, okay, if writing can help so many people, and it's a very cheap and easy thing to try, well, what about painting, like painting on rocks? You don't have to be real creative to paint on a rock, a word on a rock, or um, make a, an ornament in honor of the person that you loved or whatever. And so that kind of drew me into the therapeutic art coaching, which is basically helping people work through things through art, just like it sounds like, or through craft. Uh, but again, you are hitting this wall of people that are saying, well, I don't have, I'm not creative. I can't do that. And I saw women being a little more willing to, we had a lot more women than men sign up for the grief retreat when we incorporated art and craft into it. But I have done vision boards with men. I have done um, making the ornaments with men. And once they relax and let themselves just have a little bit of fun and it's, grief and fun doesn't sound like it sounds like an oxymoron but working through your grief can be a very active thing or through trauma or at the beginning of the pandemic through fear through anxiety and there's a lot of anxious people out there now and there's a lot of fear out there sometimes just getting getting your feelings um, working through them through art or through making a collage or through making a vision board or a mind map or the journaling or whatever. And each of us has different methods that will work. Some people want to sit in a circle and work through things with each other and sit there and cry and get out the tissues. And other people is like, oh my gosh, that sounds horrible. I could never do that. I don't want to, but other people might find that writing works for them. Another. So I, I tell people when um, I'm working with them, this might not work for you. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to try it. And maybe you'll find that's exactly what you need. I had a man take my journaling class once, expressive writing through for healing. And I thought he was going to bolt out of the room because he looked so nervous. <laughs> but his wife convinced him to come and they had lost a child and stuff. And he came back and, and said he had started journaling. And he says, I cannot believe how much it helps me. And he says, and I don't even need to keep the pages. He said, there's just something about writing it down that helped me work through it. And that's exactly it. I mean, so we have to, there are so many tools out there. A lot are related to creativity that can help us through tough times that can help us. And art is just one of those things, music, um, you know, you, like you said, dance, expressive dance, all of those things. We, we have to find the tools that work for us. Yes. And it sounds like for for me, what I hear in that is that, you know, it, it, on these retreats, 
in the work that you do as as a coach, you know, it sounds like there's there's such a, a a sense of compassion when you talk about it in that you're you're really just holding space for people that are working through their their trauma, through their grieving, through this healing process, um, because, you know, like you said, it, it's not it's not a one size fits all type thing. Right. And people kind of have to figure out what it is that that will work for them. And I think just within that, there is that sense of um, exploration. There is a sense of play uh, and and uh, allowing yourself to just come right back into what it is that, like you said, is is nourishing you. And and um, uh, it's really interesting to me that that can be done as 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 part of that that healing process. So I think it's such wonderful work that you're doing and really important work that you're doing. So thank you so much for. Um, you know, creating those retreats and, and I'll be sure to put some of that information to the show notes in case people are interested in it. I discovered that was actually one of my gifts. And I don't know if it's a gift I got through personal experience. I think it is. I think it was losing a mother, a husband and an eight-year-old grandson in the space of three years that I wanted to help other people through it. And, um, and I told I just got remarried last year and I told my husband, I, I can hold other people's pain. I can just sit with them and it doesn't bother me to sit with them through their pain and hold it. I mean, sometimes it gets heavy, but, and he says, well, that's one of your gifts. And I really never saw it like that until he said that, but I thought, yeah, I guess it is a, a gift I discovered later in life and maybe through experience, maybe through education, but also just, it might be that might be somebody in your audience's gift is um, a gift of being able to listen, of being able to, and we don't see that as creative, but it's, it's a gift and it's part of learning how to use that, learning how to be there for other people is, is part of being creative too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do absolutely believe that it that it is such a gift and it's a beautiful gift that you are sharing. And I'm so happy to be able to um, use some kind of platform to to make sure that that people know about it. So thank you for that. I feel like I could talk to you all day, Mary, and I and I, I you know, I'm not going to lie. I do pretty much say that to all of my guests, but I really, I really, really do feel like I could just pick your brain. And um, there's so much to dissect in the book. So I really highly encourage people to check it out. Um, but I don't want to take up your entire day. And so uh, I have one more bigger question to ask you. And then if you're up for it, I'd love to play a lightning round with you. Sure. Okay, perfect. So again, in, in, in everything that you're putting out into the world, Mary, what does being a compassionate creative mean to you? Mm. I love the word compassion, compassionate. I want to be that. I want to be compassionate to other people. I think our life experiences um, can help us be compassionate to others. But I look at people in the grocery store or wherever I go and think, I don't know what they've gone through today. I don't know what they faced this morning. So if they're grouchy, I am able to, to think, well, you know, they might be fighting their own battles and, and maybe it's life experiences that got me that way. Well, we can be like that with our creativity too. And we can be creative in our compassion 
And so I, I think the two go hand in hand uh, when, when we are taking care of ourselves by being creative in our life or working creativity into our life, that's compassion to ourselves is taking care of ourselves. And if we can encourage that in other people, or if you see that something in somebody, if you see, like, if you see their eyes light up about something when they're talking, just ask them, how often do you do that? How, how often do you work that into your life? Um, maybe that's something you need to do. When we see something in somebody, we need to tell them because sometimes they don't see it in themselves. And that's compassion too. Oh, I love that. I really love that. That's so beautiful. I'm not even going to say anything about that because that just wrote itself. That was so lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Lightning round with Mary. Here we go. Your favorite method of self-care. Hot bubble baths. Nice. <laughs> um, first thing you do to reconnect to yourself. Journal. Lovely. To show compassion means to hold other people's pain. Mm. I feel most creative when I am writing. Nice. And finally, authenticity is being yourself, being real. Oh, nailed it. That was such a good lightning <laughs> round. Oh, so wonderful. <laughs> Yay. Mary, what a pleasure it was to have you on the podcast today. Your light, your spirit is such a gift to this world. And I am so, so, so grateful for your time and energy today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it, my beautiful conversation with Mary. I want to thank her again for being such a wonderful guest. I hope that you were able to take something from this episode. And if you feel called to do so, please feel free to share this with anyone that you feel might benefit. Um, all of the information where you can get Mary's latest book and all of her other books is linked in the show notes. I want to thank you for being here with me today, my lovely listener. Uh, so nice to be back here with you back in this space. And I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, take care. Take care.